0: Welcome to the CC Broadcast, part of Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministries. This week we'll be hearing from our radio preacher, Pastor Tim Butker, as he continues his series, The Roman Road, with his message today, Challenges We Have with the Gospel of Grace. Well, what an absolute delight to have you with us on the CC Broadcast today. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us as we Turn our hearts towards the Lord in worship and praise and open his word and invite him to speak to us through the power of his Holy Spirit in our hearts and our souls. As God speaks to us through his word, our soul is separated from our spirit and we are set free by God himself. And when the Son himself sets us free, we are free indeed. We hope you move down that pathway with us today in this time. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we bow before you and thank you for the chance to come freely across the airways to each other, to encourage each other in our faith journeys, to be quickened by your spirit, made alive by you, the one who brings the dead to life. We praise you for this and ask that you administer to us in this time that we've set aside. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Here I raise my Ebenezer Here by Thy great help I've come And I hope by Thy good pleasure Safely to arrive at home Jesus sought me when a stranger Wandering from the fold of God He, to rescue me from danger, interposed His precious blood. blood. Oh, that day when freed from sinning, I shall see Thy lovely face. Clothed then in blood-washed linen How I'll sing Thy sovereign grace Come, my Lord, no longer tarry Take my ransomed soul away Send Thine angels now to carry me To realms of endless day
0: Well, we are continuing in our journey down the Roman road, walking through Paul's letter to the believers in Rome. And we've come through the first chapter, and now we're starting into chapter 2. Paul has just expounded on uh, what happens when people move farther and farther away from God. They become more and more enslaved to sin, and his passive wrath just allows people to move away from him. And then he turns to the people he's writing to, and he says this, Romans 2, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, you who he's writing to also have no excuse, every one of you who judges, if you're judging these people who are far from God. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls. It's based on the truth, the scripture says. It rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose then, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them for yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness? Take for granted the riches of God's kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that it is God's kindness that leads you to a change of heart, to repentance, a change of mind. But because of your Hard and unrepentant hearts, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgments will be revealed. The passage for today God's holy word. We
2: Father, we come for forgiveness. We have surrendered to fears of our Your love unites us, Lord. Oh, can separate us from your love unites us. Your love unites us, Lord. Oh, can separate us from your love unites us. Your love unites us, Lord. Oh, Can separate us from Your love unites us Your love unites us, Lord
0: So interesting to me when you read the scriptures, how much it can humble you as a person. You know, we're walking through Romans, Paul's letter to the believers in Rome, and it's a great study. It's one of the most in-depth studies of the good news of Jesus that was penned for us by the Spirit of God through Paul in around 57 AD. And Martin Luther said this in 1483 to 1546 when he lived, he referred to Romans as the true masterpiece of the New Testament. And the very purest gospel, it can never be too much or too well studied. And so now in Romans chapter 2, we've come to that point where we encounter people who have experienced the gospel, but in our hearts we have challenges with the gospel. It confronts parts of us that sometimes we're not aware of or we aren't even thinking about. And Paul highlights two of those things today in his message in his text. And that is why I have entitled the message, Two Challenges We Have with the Good News of Jesus, the Gospel of Jesus. So Paul writes, you have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. At whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourselves. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls. It's based in perfect truth on those who practice things that are wrong before him. And should we suppose that we who judge those who practice such things and yet do things that are wrong before God ourselves will escape the judgment of God. (laughs) Here's the first challenge that we have with the gospel, and that is our universal longing for appropriate judgment, justice, and righteousness in the world. I mean, you and I are made in the image of God, the Imago Dei, and because He is a judge. We have a judge in our hearts and we want to judge things and we want appropriate justice and we want righteousness brought into the world. This is a part of who we are. And Paul is describing that in this text, this universal longing that all human beings have who are made in the image of God for judgment, justice, and righteousness. And I got to tell you, all of those things are encompassed in the cross but so is mercy and grace and kindness and patience. All of those things are a part of God's nature as well. And so that part of us that wants to judge things and bring justice and bring about righteousness in the world sometimes is challenged by the good news of Jesus. I mean, what is this now to have a judgmental heart? I mean, we are called to pay attention, no question, to the fruit that comes out of people's lives and be wise and discerning about how we proceed with people. But we are not to carry around a judgmental, critical heart. I mean, this is to be shunned at all costs. Now, what is this judgmental, critical heart that Paul is describing here in Romans 2 that gets in the way of the gospel, the good news? It's a heart, and that word we've already stated it, that's so descriptive of a judgmental heart is a critical heart. We have a theory growing in the world today, an idea growing in the world today that many people think is really good, and that is critical theory. I want to juxtapose it against traditional theory for you for a minute. When we th- speak of critical theory, we're talking about criticizing things that are. And of course, constructive criticism can be helpful. But traditional theory is, how do you build good things? Not criticize things that are, but how do you build good things? And I want to ask you a couple questions as we're thinking about judgmental hearts today. Here's the questions. Number one, is it easier to build something or sit around and criticize something? I mean, the answer is obvious. I don't know if you've ever gone about building much of anything. My wife and I have built several businesses. We have a restaurant. You have to acquire a property. You have to hire a staff. You have to learn the laws. You have to get a supply chain together. You have to then operate and work and cook and bring a meal to the table. There's a lot of work that goes into building something and it's not very hard in our world today to sit in the judgment seat and sit in a restaurant somewhere and pull out your cell phone and make a judgment. About something that's been built. (laughs) It is is so much easier, friends, to sit in the judgment seat and have a critical heart than actually be about building something. To have a judgmental critical heart is to be a critic of someone to the point where you make a judgment. You want to deface them or even attempt to destroy them. You look down on them and I would just suggest to you today that much of our culture is based on critical theory. I mean, it is so easy to become a critic in the world today. Many cowards can do it. And judgmental hearts lead to a toxic culture, a culture where backbiting is the norm. And when backbiting is the norm, defensiveness arises. And then so does hiding and isolation and sneakiness because people don't want to be judged. They don't want to be picked apart by critics and anxiety goes on the rise. And then there's bullying because when people have had enough, they start to bully and then they shame people. And then that lowers performance and ultimately people start to lie about things and they create false narratives about things and honesty and truth go under the carpet because it's too risky because the critics Are too loud and they'll pick you apart if you're not perfect. And so then some people become perfectionists. People's lives are destroyed in critical cultures. Just think of a marriage where two individuals are critical of each other all the time. They're judging each other all the time. When this happens, it gets miserable enough where sooner or later a lawyer is brought into the courtroom or two lawyers. And then someone throws down the gavel and brings an end, destroys a marriage. It's so much easier to critique each other, to tear each other down. And with the use of the internet, any coward can do it. Here's my second question for you today. Have you ever formulated a critical comment on the internet and hit send? Have you ever done this? I mean, we're getting conditioned in our culture to have cowardice, judgmental critics run rampant. I mean, it is easier than getting out of bed. You just have to formulate a sentence and hit send. And what happens when we're in a culture like this is we start to focus on the negative and we isolate each other and the evidence is all around. is on the rise and mental illness on the rise and all of these things. And we're getting conditioned to do this by news stations, and social media. And can I just be real honest with you today? This is a satanic spirit. This is satanic, friends. It's a demonic spirit. It's, it's not from God. God is one who builds up, who strengthens, who empowers. Sure, there's a room for constructive criticism. But friends, this is first and foremost about God bringing us life, him being a builder, us being builders in his image, us being creative producers, artists, generators in line with him. And it's, it's not God who wants to point fingers. This is Satan. Satan wants to point fingers. He is the great accuser. God wants you and I to look in the mirror and allow him to bring cleansing into our lives through his kindness and his repentance so that you and I can be builders, advancers, creators of his kingdom, bringers of his kingdom. So Jesus said this about judging in Matthew chapter 7, verse 3 through 5. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? A judgmental heart makes it very hard for us to celebrate the gospel. And Paul is talking here about the universal desire we have to bring judgment on the world around us. So we have two options, friends. We can stay in the judgment seat, which God is telling us to step out of not be in the judgment seat. We can be the the judgmental critic. We can rule from the armchair as an armchair quarterback. We can criticize others even while we're spilling our soup. We can tell the professional athlete how bad he's doing. We can lob bombs at a distance. But I want to tell you something, friends. We don't have all the facts. We don't know all the truths behind the scenes of anything we're judging. So we can be the judgmental critic, Paul is saying here, but it's just as sinful as other kinds of sin. Or, Paul, and the scripture says, we can be a loving friend. We can be one who's up close and personal to people around us. King Solomon said, even a critical friend done in love, that's faithful. That's, that's good. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Paul is saying here, it doesn't matter what kind of sinfulness is going on around you. Your job is not to judge the world, but to look in the mirror and allow the Spirit to judge you and cleanse you. And you're to be a friend to the people around you. And a judgmental attitude will get in the way of you and I, celebrating and sharing and rejoicing in the gospel. And especially it'll get in the way in going forth to people that we're judgmental of. This gets in the way of the advancement of God's kingdom, and Paul is addressing it here. A judgmental culture is a bad culture, and it takes for granted the very kindness of God that the people in it may be experiencing. It was President Theodore Roosevelt who said, it is not the critic who counts. It is not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, other people stumble, or where the doer of good deeds have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, not to the judgmental people sitting in the stand. The credit belongs to the actually the man in the arena whose face is marred by the dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error or shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasm? These are builders, friends the great devotions who spends himself in a worthy cause who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst if he fails at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat they just sit there in the judge's seat easily spouting off criticisms Well, there's no question that a judgmental heart can get in the way of the advancement of the gospel and in the living of the gospel and the sharing of the gospel. And so Paul describes that here. A universal longing for judgment, justice, and righteousness can get in the way. And then he describes God's perfect ability to handle these things. He he just says it so clearly. God can take care of judging the world bringing appropriate justice, and calling forth righteousness. So we have this choice, friends. Pick up the gavel ourselves or choose to be a loving friend to the world and let Jesus be the judge. Hand the gavel over to the one who is the perfect judge, who knows all and sees all and judges with all the facts, all the truths present. This is Jesus. God has entrusted to his Son, the judgment of all things. <laughs> and so we, we should surrender our position as judge and turn it over to Jesus as the perfect judge. <laughs> and that's how we get rid of this and deal with this roadblock to the gospel, our universal longing for judgment and justice and righteousness. But then there's this other thing that Paul mentions here, which is the kindness and the forbearance and patience Of God or Jesus as judge. I mean that gets in our way sometimes because he's so kind and patient and gentle and loving. See we we like the patience of God and the kindness and forbearance of God when it's for ourselves but we don't always like God extending these things to others that we think he should bring more justice to. I mean this gets in the way of the gospel friends. Our impatience with God's patience. <laughs> we need to remind ourselves that nobody's getting away with anything. The perfect Judge sees all things and He knows all things. So we can lay down the gavel and we can trust His judgment. And when we do this, then we're free. We're free to to love people, to share the good news of Jesus to be a light in the world. When we lay down the gavel ourselves and then allow him to pick up the gavel and trust his perfect judgment, friends, you and I are then free people to live in the joy of God, the freedom of God, and to walk more closely with him. And Friends, people need more of this in their lives. We have a culture dragging us the other direction, into judgmentalism, into trying to take up the gavel, into trying to to sit in that seat ourselves. But Paul is saying here that's sinful. It's prideful. It causes us to look down on others when we're supposed to serve them. And so if we'll lay down the gavel and we'll trust God to be the judge of all things and all the people, then we can be free to take the good news to them and share his love with them. And if they don't allow us, we can just let them go and trust God to work in their lives. I want to invite you to pray with me now, to pray with me about the judgmental spirit that's in our culture and our world today, and about the lack of faith or confidence in God over his perfect ability to bring justice. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, which teaches us so clearly what to believe and how to live. And here you've taught us that we should believe that you are the great judge and that you judge perfectly all things in your own time, in your own way, and that you're patient and forbearing and kind. Sometimes you don't settle your accounts on our timetables, but you settle them in your own way, in your own time. And so believing that, help us to lay down the judgmental gavel that we sometimes pick up, that we might know great freedom and joy and peace and love in our hearts. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to
3: be close, close to your side.
2: So heaven is real and death is alive want to hear voices of angels above singing as one
0: podcast conversations features inspiring interviews with interesting Christians. You can listen to those interviews and over 60 others as well as our daily Bible overview devotion and this broadcast along with archive broadcasts from former preachers on our website christiancrusaders.org or on our free mobile app today you've been listening to the broadcast transmission of christian crusaders radio and internet ministries we're one of america's longest running radio ministries on the air since 1936. we are completely donor funded and donations are tax deductible they can be sent to 7401 university avenue cedar falls iowa 50613 or made online at christiancrusaders.org thank you for tuning into this broadcast We'll be here again next week at the same time. And until then, may God richly bless you.